Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or an encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud, because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. 
in like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh, from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification 
in New York State. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Sean Hudgen-Wardle from our Ontario, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Isaiah, the 64th chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Good evening, everyone. Uh, let us all bow in our for a moment of prayer in our hearts and, and in our minds. Um, dear Heavenly Father Yahweh, we pray that you give us a better and more profound understanding of your purpose, that you guide us according to your righteous principles and we don't fall astray according to our own will being men, falling short of the perfection that you've declared. See, we pray that we can pay attention to the things that are happening around us and see the witnesses of those things showing forth the reality of your existence in everything according to the pattern that you have declared from the beginning. We thank you for allowing us to come together in order to learn about your great and stupendous divine purpose, pattern, and plan. All these things in the name of your only begotten son, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say hallelujah. hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading Isaiah, the 64th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association Incorporated, College Park, Maryland, Isaiah 64. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might melt at thy presence. And when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, so to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things, which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen an Elohim besides thee, who worketh for him that waiteth on him. Thou accepteth him that rejoiceth, and worketh righteousness those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned continually, continually, and can we thus be saved? But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind shall take us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, 
that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Yahweh, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. Be not wroth very sore, O Yahweh, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, we are all thy people. Thy holy cities are a wilderness, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. O holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praise thee, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Yahweh? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? Isaiah, the 64th chapter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Sean Hudgenwardle. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse, New York class. Speakers, please be advised there'll be a five-minute sign appearing on your screen. Please acknowledge when you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Good afternoon, class. You know, yeah. I love that scripture. There's a another verse, and I'm not sure where it is, where it's similar to that, how that Yahweh has such great things in store for them. That first, first Corinthians 2.9. Can you pick that up for me, Linda? I can. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which Yahweh hath prepared for them that love him. We, we couldn't have perceived, heard, or seen these precious things that Yahweh has given unto us. This precious gospel of our salvation that Yahweh has give, just given to us is not something that we could have perceived of our own intellect. We couldn't have heard it with our own ears. We couldn't have seen it with our eyes. Yahweh prepared it for us way from the foundation of the earth. And he has now given it to us. And it's just a remarkable thing that he has blessed us with such a, a wonderful blessing. And not because of anything that we did of our own. Because as we read in the scripture, there's nothing that's clean except for Yahweh. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We, we just have been blown away and carried away by our iniquities. And that's because until Yahshua delivered us from that bondage, we were under the bondage of the mystery of iniquity. And we just were carried away in our iniquity. And there was nothing that we could do to stop it. I remember when I uh, used to try to be good. <laughs> it's like, it's like the more you try, the worse it was. That, and, and really, the children of Israel went through the things that they were to prove to them that they could not 
earn that righteousness on their own because they could not on their own, uh, by their own self, keep that law that they were put unto, which would make them righteous if they were able to keep that law. But Yahweh, he, he put us in that situation where we were unclean, we were unrighteous, we couldn't hear, we couldn't see, and he has caused us to be made vessels of righteousness. In verse 8 of the scripture lesson, if you could go ahead and read that, and then I'm going to cut over to Romans, the ninth chapter. Verse 8, but now, O Yahweh, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. So we're the clay, and he's the potter. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't done a lot with clay personally myself i've seen the movie ghost and mm -hmm. i've seen them work with clay on the in the in the movie and saw how it was done and you they can that potter can just throw a slab of clay up on there that's just a brick of clay and then he just molds it of course he i think he uses he adds water to it but and softens it and that potter can mold that that piece of clay into a vase or or an ashtray or or a, you know whatever he wants. The potter's the one that has the ability to make the clay a vessel of righteousness, which would be likened into a beautiful vase that holds flowers. Or maybe he'll take that same clay and make a commode or an ashtray that's made to hold cigarette butts it's up to the it's up to the potter to decide what he does with that clay and at no time do you see the clay fighting the potter and trying to take on shape and form of its own self because it's the potter strictly that holds the key based on what he wills to do with that clay he, he's going to form it and make it into that vessel of righteousness. And that's like we are. We are, we're clay that Yahshua has used to make and form vessels of righteousness with. And he's, he starts with something that might not look too, too special or too righteous, but by the time he adds that water to it and he puts that fire to it and he solidifies that shape and form so it cannot be changed. Then we have become that vessel of righteousness that he intended all along to make us into. Now let's go over to Romans, the ninth chapter. And let's get verse, just start at verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of Yahweh, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was, said unto her, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. See, now I talked about how the, that the purpose is according to election. And... 
to be elected is to be chosen. I mean, we have elections all, periodically here in the United States, and it's time to for us to choose who we want to um, to be our representative. We choose and vote, and then the election is is uh, made known. And that whoever was elected is the one that, that is supposed to serve in that office. So, but the, there's only one that's doing the electing or the choosing, and that's Yahweh Elohim, or Yahweh, he's chosen us from the beginning. And it says not of our works, but of him that calleth. So he, he, he has chosen us. From the foundation of the world, he chose us. And, and it's not anything that we do of our own works, but of him that calleth. Now, go on. Keep reading. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with Yahweh? Yahweh forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Well, it's his decision decision on on whether to make you or form you in righteousness or in unrighteousness. It's it's his decision. He's the creator. He's the potter. And the fact is, is that we need ashtrays in this world if we have smokers. But you need you need vessels of unrighteousness. And vessels of righteousness. You got to have them both. So somebody, and he's going to be the one that's going to pick. He's going to have mercy on who he has mercy. And he'll have compassion on who he has compassion on. So it's not a you that willeth or him that runneth. But it's of Yahweh that showeth mercy. So it's not that you can sit there and I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. It's not you that's doing the wishing, or it's not him that, that's running, but it's Yahweh that's just showing mercy. And go ahead, verse 17, Linda. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So it talks about how he raised up Pharaoh, for the purpose of showing forth Yahweh's power. And I, I love that because really you have to be able to see the alternative to know and be able to understand Yahweh's power. When you see these fighters get in the ring, if, if, if one of, if, if, I don't know, Bruce, who's a current fighter? I don't know fighters anymore. I, I, all I can think of is Muhammad Ali. It's like good grief. Canelo. <laughs> Canelo okay. Well, but when you see him in the ring, if he were to go up against Bruce, you wouldn't get to understand his power because he would have no prayer. So you have to have a formidable, a formidable opponent to, to fight against him so you can understand how truly powerful that fighter is if he just fights a bunch of nobodies that have never won a fight before then you can say well i can't say he's the greatest most powerful in the world because he hasn't been proven but when they go up against these other fighters that are also contenders 
then you can see and understand, you know what, that's, that's the most powerful fighter I've ever seen. And that's the way it is with Yahweh. He put Pharaoh, he put Pharaoh in that position. And if you recall, Pharaoh was built up by Yahweh. He had Joseph to be sent down there into, into under Pharaoh. And he had Joseph to become Pharaoh's right-hand man because of the vision that he gave and he was able to interpret about the famine. And it made Joseph the like savior of the world at the, the at that time. And and as a result, Joseph, everybody that was all around anywhere had to come buy grain from Pharaoh, and it made him the richest, most powerful person that you had to go to in order to have life. So you he builds up Pharaoh to this high and mighty position and then only to come in and destroy him with those 10 plagues and eventually in the Red Sea. And people could, people, they might not have known Yahweh before he raised up Pharaoh and sent Moses down there because he sent Moses down there so that they would know who Yahweh was. And believe me, by the time Yahweh was finished, with Pharaoh and the Egyptians, everybody knew who Yahweh was then. So in order to, to show everybody Yahweh's power, he raised up that mystery of iniquity, he raised up Pharaoh in this type, who was a mystery of iniquity. He raised him up for the purpose of showing forth Yahweh's power. And likewise, he put us in this situation where we were, our unrighteousnesses were as filthy rags to let us, so that when he causes us to manifest those attributes of Yahshua the Messiah, people can look and say, well, there was some power manifest there because that's not something that I could have done. We all should be a point at the point where we recognize that we are not responsible for us being the son, called the sons of Yahweh. We were called, we were made to be obedient. He said, I'll put a clean heart in you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. It's not like you did it on your own, but you can fulfill Yahshua's uh, plan for you on your own because you've just got out there and been studious and, and been at every class or whatever you thought you've done. Any of it that, that you've done is him that's doing the working. It's him that's the potter that's shaping you, the clay, into, into what he needs it to, to be shaped into to fulfill that purpose for which he has called us which his purpose for calling us, us, the sons, is to manifest him as a vessel of righteousness. We're just vessels in the tabernacle of Yahshua, the Messiah. We are part of his body, not the whole of the body, but when you're part of the body, 
you're the body you you you're attached you can't be separated and Yahshua has called us not by the things that we have done into to be vessels of righteousness but did where did you leave off Linda at what verse I'm at 18. okay skip down to 21. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if Yahweh, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he hath before prepared unto glory? When we sit here and we see the position that we're in, I remember when I first came into class and I had all these brethren throughout all the Institute. And especially, you know, I tried to hang with that um, erroneous doctrine that was going around for a long time. And you see the erroneous doctrine that's, that's going around now, both in and out of, of the Institute. And when you see that, I know for a surety that Yahshua had to call me and pull me out of that darkness. And he chose me to see and understand. And when you see those, that, there, were, there were people who I thought were the most uh, diligent. Uh, people did way more searching in the book, went to foreign countries to teach class, uh, moved to classes to move to out, out in the middle of nowhere to start classes and went through all this, who I would have deemed to be much more worthy of being a son than me, that were not called out of the erroneous doctrine that have fallen into. And, the, and it's worse for them. They say it's worse for them if they had never seen the truth. But we know that it wasn't us that kept us along the way. It was Yahshua, the Messiah, that had mercy on us. And it was, it was because he has chosen us. Yahshua said to the Father, I have lost none that you have given me. Yahshua was given of the Father those that were going to be saved. And, it's, and, and we were like, his, we're his flock. And we know his name and we know his voice when he calls. And those sheep didn't choose their shepherds. It's not like they were in one flock and said, I think I'm just going to go join another flock. Yahshua right. picked us out and chose us to be his flock. And we might have gone astray like, it, like the parable of that sheep that goes astray. And the shepherd, he'll leave the 99 to go after that one sheep that has lost and that has gone astray to bring him back into the fold. And it's not because the sheep deserved it. It's because he was one of the flock, chosen to be part of the flock, and Yahshua is just going to take care of, the, of, of those ones. And he has no, he, those of us, of which he's shown mercy on us. And we can look back and see how 
boy, has he shown me mercy that I, that he brought me out of the world uh, and that he brought me out of, of ignorance of him and, and that he has us sticking to the truth down here at the end. We, we see the vessels that he hadn't purposed or bestowed the riches of his glory on, and we can give glory and honor unto Yahshua the Messiah because we know that it's, it's, it's not the things that we did that caused us to be saved, but because he has chosen us. Yahshua said, um, I have, uh, get me uh, John 15 and 16. John 15 and 16. And let's get 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13 too while we're there. John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whosoever you shall ask of your father in my name, he may give it you. So he has chosen us. Mm -hmm. He has chosen us to be a vessel that bears forth fruit. He's caused that to take place. It's not because we chose him and decided to be fruitful of our own self. Go mm -hmm. ahead and get that Second Thessalonians 2 and 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahweh for you, brethren, beloved of Yahweh, because Yahweh hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So he's chosen you from the beginning that you're going to be sanctified and set apart and that you're going to believe the truth. He's the one that's causing you to believe the truth. Pick up um, Acts 22 and 14. See, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I came into class, they gave me some hints, but then I went in and I checked it out and I checked out Law, Prophets, Fulfillment. And because of all my studious uh, study and, and checking things out, it's that's how I know Yahshua the Messiah. No, you know Yahshua because he chose you to know. <laughs> Let's go ahead and pick that up in Acts. Acts uh, 22 and 14. And he said, the Elohim of your fathers has chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that the just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So he has chosen you to know his will. See, if you if he hasn't chosen you, you're not going to know what the will of Yahweh is. Mm -hmm. You're not going to know what what he wants. He has to choose. In fact, in John, the, the 15th chapter, where we were reading earlier, you, I have, uh, you haven't chose me, I chose you. He said in that same chapter earlier, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. That's what, that's what you can do to be saved. Nothing. And, 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 and it's it, when he says that without me, it's not like he's there helping you. 
He's in you doing it. That's what is really happening. Yahshua the Messiah is the one that is in us, that is fulfilling that which he purposed from the beginning. That's what Yahweh purposed us to be saved from the beginning. And Yahshua the Messiah is fulfilling Yahweh's purpose, which includes us being saved in him. So he's fulfilling his own purpose, which is that we've been chosen to be saved, purpose to be saved, by getting in us and causing us to do those things which are pleasing in his eyesight and really covering our butts because we just, you know, we're getting down here at the end. And I'm telling you in the Matthew what is it, the 24th chapter that talks about if it wasn't for the yes, he didn't cut it short, the very only the very elect would be saved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, it's like around 20 or something like that. Do you want to get it? Yes, okay, yes, thanks. Uh, okay, uh, 21, Matthew 24, 21. Uh -huh. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So we've read this chapter, I know, in several of the classes that I've attended. I don't know which is which anymore. But we've had Matthew, the 24th chapter, work with quite a bit because it talks about the wars and rumors of wars and, and, and pestilences and earthquakes. And we can see all those things happening right before our very eyes. And, 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 and Dr. Kinley always told us to watch the Middle East, who has declared war at this point. Israel has declared war. That's something to be to be looking looking at and paying attention to that is the sign of the end. And don't think, well, this will be interesting. Let's watch it all play out and then the end will come. Well, he's gonna cut it short. Mm -hmm. It could be any day now that Yahshua pulls down the curtain on this thing. And we should be so thankful and Blessed, feel so blessed of Yahweh that he has caused us to, to enter into this time full of confidence and faith in him that he's going to take care of us. But it's only because if it wasn't for Yahshua the Messiah, see, even the ones that were, it doesn't say that even the elite would be saved. It's not like you're elite and that's what because you're the cream of the crop. That's why you're saved. It says the elect, not elite. It's elect, which is chosen. So it's the only thing that we got going for us is that he chose us. He chose us. And we know things are going to get bad, so bad that it, even we wouldn't be able to handle it if he didn't cut it short. So if we, we think, I'm having trouble down here, you know, I, 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 some things shake me a little or this, that, or the other. And you wonder, whew, this is rough, even for the sons down here. 
look, it's it's going to be rough for all of us down here at the end in the tribulation. But we know that where we're going is so much, it's like exciting that that we're on the brink of eternity to know that we what we have to look forward to, that it can get us through any of these times because we know that we've been chosen. And if you wonder, have I been chosen of Yahweh? I used to tell Bruce, you know, what you need to do is Put take out a piece of paper and write all the things that you know that Yahweh did for you, that Yahshua did for you, that it wouldn't be that case if it wasn't for Yahshua. And I can go through my life and see how Yahshua has carried me all the way through, 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 up to where I am now to know that Yahshua is working with me and Yahshua doesn't begin a work and then not finish it. That's us that do that. We're the ones that will start that project and it's still sitting there half done. Yahshua the Messiah, when he makes a decision and he goes about to do something, when he, he that has begun a good work, that's the scripture I want. He that has begun a good work in you. And I'm not sure. That, I think it is Philippians. Philippians 1 6. 1 6. Oh, thank you, Sasha. Philippians 1 and 6. Right. Be uh, before confident of this very thing, being confident of this very thing, mm -hmm. that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Yahshua the Messiah. So who it's Yahshua that's begun that work in you. You didn't even begin it. You think, oh well, it was something I did. No, the, it was started had begun or began how do you pronounce how do you say that it was begun by Yahshua the Messiah he's he started it he's the A to Z he's the author and finisher of your faith not just our faith of your faith he's the author and the finisher and the writing of all everything in between it's like he's got the storyline already written. He's written it out there. And we're just going along with the purpose that he's purposed for us. Now read that again, Sharon. Being confident of uh -huh. this very thing. Uh-huh. That he which hath begun a good work in you uh -huh. will perform it until the day of Yahshua. Now, look, it's him that started the work that's performing it. It's right. him that's doing it all along. It's not you. It's him. And when you can see that you're starting to do some of those things that I wouldn't have done that in my old days, or I wouldn't have reacted that way, you know that it's Yahshua in there that's performing those things, not you. And you can take confidence that it's him in you that's working that righteousness because our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's just the way it is. And you know, a filthy rag can't clean nothing up. If you've ever had, let me get this filthy rag and try to clean my windshield on my car. It's just going to be worse than when you started. 
because you ha can't clean clean something with a filthy rag. It's incapable of cleaning anything. Likewise, it's Yahshua that's in us, that's cleaning us up. And as he cleans those things up, we always talk about, use the analogy, uh, like how he refine. He says, he says he's going to refine us in the furnace, like with silver and gold. And when you see that refining take place, you know, how they make the pure gold is they heat the gold up and what's called slag, which is impurities, comes to the top. And then they skim that off and then they heat it up some more and some more slag will come to the top and then they'll skim that off. Then they'll heat it up some more and then they'll keep skimming it off to where you have is no impurities left. And that's what he's doing to all of us. He's skimming that off as he's working with us. He's skimming off those impurities that, that and making us to be pure gold vessels fitted for for holiness for righteousness and it's him that's doing it all along and when you see somebody and their slag is showing <laughs> you know what i mean because yahweh put him through something heated him up a little bit and we're normally you're like whoa that person doesn't normally react like that shame on them well, no, it's a good thing that that happened. And it's a good thing when when that slag is exposed and brought to the surface. That's why we have to be merciful and um, that's not the word I'm thinking of, patient, tolerant, and merciful unto our brethren as Yahshua is heating things up and causing these, this last minute slag to come to the surface and be wiped off, he's doing that for a reason. And you know, when you clean your house, you don't just sweep up a bunch of dirt into a ball and then just shove it under the carpet. You need to get that dirt expunged. You need to get that and take it and put it in the trash and send it out of the house. Well, we don't want when we see these things come up down here as we're being refined and 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 being made into those stones that could just slip right on into the temple before he calls this thing out. We don't want to be discouraged because he's shown us these things that still are not um pleasing in his eyesight unto us we need to be thankful and ask him to take those things away because that's what he's bringing it to the surface for you don't want to shove it back under the carpet you want Yahshua to take that thing and sweep it and get it out of the way and you can count on him to do it don't even try yourself ask him and fall upon his mercy because we don't want to frustrate grace and we have to know that we're all we're all uh unrighteous in the sense that we haven't earned our way into into Yahshua the Messiah. Yahshua the Messiah has got us covered. We're clothed in his righteousness. We're we're gonna be brought back to the father in the body of Yahshua. And he's going to be looking at the body of Yahshua. He's not going to be looking at individuals and 
as long as you're in the body, that's all that matters. And you could take your list and go down it and say, has Yahshua chosen me? Has he like brought me through this, brought me through this? And when you start making that list, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you can see all the things that Yahshua has done to the point where you're like, I know he's started a work in me. I know it. Well, then we can just be comfortable and know that he is going to finish it. Because if he's the author, he's not going to, it's not going to be an unfinished symphony or an unfinished book. We're going to be all finished and slid into our place in the body of Yahshua the Messiah by the time this thing rolls around to where it's going to be taken out. And we don't have to be worried and we don't have to be scared. We can be sober and vigilant checking out that mystery of iniquity as, iniquity, iniquity, as uh -huh. he's going around seeking whom he, he may devour, knowing that Yahshua, even though he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that Yahshua, he shut the lion's mouths when Daniel was confronted with being thrown in the lion's den. And he can shut the lion's mouth from touching us because the chosen ones are not going to be left behind. Yahshua is not going to leave any that he has chosen behind. And uh, with that, I'm going to yield the floor. Thank you very much for your attention. Um, bye. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class. And I will read scriptures while Sharon is on the floor. Hey, well, I enjoyed the comments of the first speaker. She brought out a lot um, concerning the purpose of, uh, of Yahweh and uh, how that... Um, it's affecting us down at the end of this age. And, uh, you know, how he has set it up right from the beginning of time. And how he has been uh, including us into his purpose, pattern, and plan. And um, I'd like to um, <clears throat> kind of go back see let's go back to the scripture and see if we can pull something out of there um about okay uh yeah let's go back to the scripture okay and where would you like to start right at one okay isaiah Please. 60 isaiah 64 1 Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, and the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Mm -hmm. Now, didn't that, oh, I'm sorry, didn't that already happen hey, back in the uh, Mount Sinai? Um that mountain was on fire. The and he and Moses, see, had that name which was given to him already in uh, 
mountain down at the burning bush. And he had that name right there in that cloud. And that cloud was on fire. Uh, and the melting fire burneth, the fire caused the waters to boil to make thy, thy name known to thy adversaries. And <clears throat> that name, see, was known to Pharaoh, although he, Pharaoh said, you know, I know not this Yahweh. Well, Yahweh made sure that he got to know uh, who Yahweh was after those 10 devastating plagues. See, you wanted, you, you. Egypt uh, showing him how powerful that name is and how powerful Yahweh is. Um, and, uh, you know, he devastated Egypt um, with those 10 devastating plagues. Um, so go ahead and go to three. When thou didst terrible things, which we looked not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. Mm -hmm. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O Yahweh, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him who waiteth for him. Mm -hmm. Right from the beginning of the world, um, you know, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, Neither has I seen, oh, uh, you know, Yahweh, right from the beginning of time, you know, men, although if we can get the ages and dispensations chart, that would probably help and and seeing how that this has come right down through from the beginning of time and how that right from the beginning that man See, they did not hear. Yahweh did not put it into mankind um, to hear or to understand what that purpose, pattern, and plan really is until the end of, uh, until this our time now, which is what Jerry was trying to show you, as um, you know how he's working that work in you now. But back then, see, they did not have that. Uh, and we're considering that as the old covenant where they did not have that. See, and when it says, um, <clears throat> let's get that uh, in, um, is it a numbers where uh, they gave them, they had the, a choice. seeing that Jerry worked with choice. I think it's uh, choose you this day whom you will yes. serve. Yeah, that's uh, Joshua, I think, the last chapter around oh, there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Joshua. I, ha I have it, Sharon. It's Joshua 24 and 14, I believe. Okay, pick it up a little bit. Okay, I'll pick it up. Let me get it. 
maybe that isn't it. Hmm? Yeah, it is. Is. Uh, it is. Is that it? Okay. Start at I'll 14. Start, I'll start it. I'll pick it up at 13. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not. And ye dwell in them of the vineyards and the olive lands which ye planted not. Do so, ye... I'm sorry, Dave. Let me, let me explain this. See, this is after the children of Israel, um, Yahweh freed them uh, from bondage uh, from Egypt after the 10 devastating plagues, what I was talking about, led them to the wilderness of Sinai for 40 years. See that, and they finally uh, are into the Canaan's land, see, where um, they were promised right from the beginning, see, and they, they're they entering into um, Canaan's land and they had houses that they didn't build. They didn't, you know, everything was provided for them. Um, you know, they had land where they didn't have to have no labor, cities that were built, well, um, and where they dwelt in, the vineyards and olives, which they planted not to, to do the eating. So they didn't have to do anything. And it's it's a type and shadow of uh, what uh, was in the Garden of Eden, the see, way back in the beginning of time, where Adam and Eve, see, they, that garden was already provided for them. They, they didn't have to do anything back then. So that was a type and shadow. Uh, Canaan's land is a type and shadow of that. So this is what, um, what, what they're picking up here where uh, Canaan's land um, is a figure of the most holy place, because if you want to go by the pattern, see Egypt is like the court roundabout, the wilderness of Sinai is like the, the holy place, and Canaan's land is like the most holy place. So you see how the, you have to have the principles there um, of uh, what they're going through here in the Canaan's land. So Keep, keep reading, please. Now, therefore, fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Mm -hmm. and, put away, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve mm -hmm. ye Yahweh. Okay. And, if, and, if it, and if it seem evil unto you to serve Yahweh, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. Okay, so uh, there's, so Yahweh gave him a choice on whether to serve the gods which your fathers have served that were on the other side of the flood um, or the gods of the Amorites um, and whose land you dwell. See the Amorites, okay? But in my house, we will serve Yahweh. So go ahead and, and finish that. And the people answered and said, Elohim forbid that we sh should forsake Yahweh to serve other gods. Right. For, for Yahweh our Elohim 
he it is that brought us up out of our fathers, out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, will we also serve Yahweh? For he is our Elohim. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve Yahweh, for he is an holy Elohim. He is a jealous Elohim. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Mm -hmm. If ye forsake Yahweh and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good so so in other words he, they they were given a choice but the only choices that they had were between two evils they weren't given a choice between yahweh and uh, between good and evil they were given a choice between two evils and Joshua was saying, you know, according to my house, we will serve Yahweh. And then Joshua was telling them that you cannot serve Yahweh because you've done evil. Um, you know, so in other words, you know, people think that they have a choice um, as far as uh you know serving yahweh that you you know it's it's up to you like jerry was saying it's not up to you because yeah yeah joshua was saying you know we pick that up again there where he says in 19 and joshua said unto the people ye cannot serve yahweh for he is an holy elohim he is a jealous elohim he will right. not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Right. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. So, you know, it just kills me when people go there and use this as an example of, see, you have a choice. No, you don't have a choice between good and evil. The, the only choices they had were between uh, two evils. See? And Joshua comes right out and says that you don't have a choice uh, because of your transgressions. Uh, and then, you know, Jerry used examples of Yahshua saying uh, that, you know, I choose you. You don't choose me. And an example of that is when you go over to Matthew, when when you, Yahshua is starting his ministry. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if anybody has uh, picked up the series that's called The Chosen. I think it's on Hulu or Netflix. I'm not sure which one, but um, I don't know. It's about a five series um, uh program like uh it's not very long but it's called the chosen and it's you know it's not really true to 
what's in the Bible, but it's pretty close. And it does show that, you know, Yahshua goes around and he he chose he chooses his disciples. You know, they're just, you know, uh, like I think it's Matthew, you know, he's he's just doing his job and Yahshua comes along and well let's pick it up. Matthew. I think you can pick that up in Matthew the wrong where he comes in uh that'll be in the second chapter. When he's choosing disciples? Yes. It's try John. Is it John? Okay, thank you. John, what? Two? Uh, 135. 135, I think. 45? I'll start with 35. 35, okay. John... 135. Again, the next day, John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Yahshua as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of Yahweh. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Yahshua. Then Yahshua turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, where dwelleth thou? He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, Yahshua. And he brought him to Yahshua, and when Yahshua beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. Mm -hmm. The day following Yah the day following Yahshua go would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Yahshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Hmm? And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Hmm. Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Yahshua saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, How knowest thou me? Yahshua answered and said unto him, before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel okay, so, answered. Um, go ahead. It, yeah, so you kind of picked up the 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 thought that you know Yahshua just says, "Follow me." You know, he mm -hmm. he saw him. You know, follow me, follow me. He just chose them. You no, know, they didn't choose him. Yeah, they. You know. They saw him and recognized something about him, but he he's the one that says, follow me. So he he went around, he chose his disciples. 
they didn't choose him. They did recognize that there was something about him, but, you know, he chose them, you know, and that's what he says is that, you know, he, he chooses you. So let's go to um, Ezekiel. As she mentioned um, Ezekiel. And, you know, we know all this, but it just, you know, you got to follow a train of thought and uh, give witnesses for what you're saying. Um, and Ezekiel. Um, 36, is it? A new heart. Yeah, I want to pick it up, though. Let's see. 3624. Hang on. Um, oh, oh boy, there's just so much in here. Um, pick it up at 16, please. Ezekiel 36 and 16. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Mm. Who, wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries. According to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. Yeah, all the way down through, you know, they just, that disobedient heart that, uh, that they had, they just could not, uh, they just didn't have that heart in them. You know, they just were so disobedient. Um, the ones that uh, did not have, you know, that that spirit in them. Uh, keep going, please. And when they entered onto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of Yahweh and are gone forth out of this land. So they profaned his holy name when they said to them, these are the people of Yahweh. So do you see how they profaned his name? Because they're declaring that they're from Yahweh, you know, and, and they're acting that way. And, you know, I can see how that's happening down at, at the end of this age where people are pro proclaiming, you know, that they're coming in the name of Yahshua and they're not going according to, um, 
you know, Yahshua's purpose and teaching the right, the right doctrine that Yahshua's, you know, set up to be taught and how that, you know, there's a saving of, of a soul and what he actually came in to do. And they're profaning his holy name, you know, by the things that they're doing. Keep going. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Right. Wherever they went, they just profaned that holy name. Keep going. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith Yahweh Elohim. I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. Right, so he's doing all of this, you know, all this that's happening, all everything that's happening right from the beginning of time, see, is happening for his name's sake, you know, not for not for the house of Israel's sake, but for his name's sake, which he, which they have profaned among the heathen, whether wherever they went, they just profaned that holy name of Yahweh. Go ahead. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am Yahweh, saith Yahweh Elohim, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Mm -hmm. For I will right take Before you. their eyes, they're going to be sanctified. See, Yahweh, I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Because this is what's going to happen. Go ahead. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. See, now this is this is what's going to happen. This didn't happen already. This is what's going to happen. For I will take you from among the heathen. See, he, this is this isn't happening yet, but this is going to happen. And this happened um, on the day of, of uh, Pentecost is when he poured out his spirit after the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. And it, it's not going to happen until after that uh, uh, shedding of that blood, that righteous blood, see? All of that blood that was shed back here in the wilderness of Sinai and, the, and that uh, sacrificial um, offering here, the blood of the goats and the blood of lamb uh, on that off sacrificial um, offering, see, did not do anything to the soul of mankind, but through that blood of the lamb of, of Yahweh, see, of Yahshua the Messiah, see, then will I, or, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all country. See, after then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. See, <clears throat> go keep going. Verse 25. 
then mm -hmm. will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And what is that clean water? What do we associate water with but that doctrine? See, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, that's that water that's going to be sprinkled upon us. That's the only thing that's going to make us clean is hearing that gospel. We can go right over to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, and you can just see how that, that, that that's gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, which will save us. See, it's that's what's going to save you is to hear that gospel. And that's that clean water, which will be sprinkled upon you. And it, it will clean you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. Will he cleanse you? Keep going. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Well, now, why do they need a new heart and a new spirit? See, you know, a lot of classes, they've been referring to that that chart down here, that the heart chart, we call it, you know, because it's going to show you that he's got to put that new heart in you. Can you get it, Dennis? The new heart, the heart chart, there you go. There's that heart. That's that new heart, the new day. That new heart is going to be put within you. And that new spirit, when a, a new heart has to have a new spirit put within you. And that new spirit is Yahshua the Messiah. He's the Holy Spirit that's going to be put within you. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. Yahshua the Messiah is the one that's going to, he's the, he's the Holy Spirit. It's his spirit that's going to be put right within you. Because he's the one that's going to cause you, see, to walk in his statue. You can't do it. It's like Jerry was saying, we cannot do it. There's nothing we can do. See, it's got to be him. Okay, and then pick it up again, a new heart. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, that's why we have this in the, in the middle heart, you know, kind of looks like stone falling off. Uh, you know, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a new heart. So that's what this is um, uh, depicting is that stony heart falling off. See, and uh, if you can see that the stones here are, um, uh, I think I can see it says concepts theories, customs, I believe that's what that says there down, down yes. in the, pardon me? Yes, it does. Yes, that's what it says down here on the lower, on your lower right of um, the heart here, 
on the stones fallen off of that heart. See, that's what's the, taken away all of those concepts, theories, and opinions or customs. He's taken that all away. See, taken away the stony heart out of your flesh, and he will give you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh doesn't mean that it's carnal. It means that its stone is dead. It's cold. It's not alive. A, a flesh is alive. That heart is alive. See the the heart here and under the new day? Do you see how it's got a little flame all the way around it? You see? It's alive. It's on fire. When we're, you know, say that, oh, he's she's on fire, you know? <laughs> It's alive, that heart with that spirit in you. See, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, because that heart of flesh is 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So he's going to put his spirit, not your spirit or anybody else's spirit, but his spirit in you and cause you to walk. Cause. What does that mean, cause? That means he is total control. Total control over you to walk in his law. What's his law? Spirit law. That's what he is. Spirit law. And you will keep his judgments and do them. Why? Because he has total control over you, over your soul, and over what your likes and, you know, your, I shouldn't say that because it's not physical. It's your, okay, he's got, Thank you. Five minutes. Wonderful. <clears throat> He's got total control over you because he causes you to walk in his statue and do them. See? Um, okay, let's go to... So, let's go to... So, he's got total control over you. Um, Let's go to uh, Romans um, 8, and I'll finish with that. Romans 8 and 1. Now, Romans 8 and 7, you have to realize, Paul, this is, now this is the new covenant. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. And in Acts, the second chapter is where um, he has... Um, resurrected, and he has poured out his spirit. This is where it happens. This is where he puts his spirit within you. See, Yahshua the Messiah, the, his whole, he is the Holy Spirit. That's what we tell you in the beginning of the moderation, where Yahshua is the Holy Spirit, and that's that spirit that's put within you, um, and that brings in that new covenant. So now, <clears throat> Paul in Romans, see, he's uh, 
talking to uh, the uh, people there and he's trying to explain to the people to under try to get them to understand what this new covenant is all about. Um, and he's explaining to them prior to to uh, the eighth chapter. He's explaining how it was that he experienced prior to him receiving uh, the Holy Spirit. So if we can pick it up in seven, um, just a couple verses at the end where he's explaining how he felt. Okay. So it would be Romans um, seven, seven uh, and uh, maybe uh, 15. Okay, well, wherever you think. I just want to, this is interesting to me because sometimes I look back and think that sometimes we felt this way, okay? Okay, for that- okay. Maybe I, 14, I'm sorry, honey, 14. Okay, sure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So this is how he felt prior to him having the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Okay. For that which I do, I understand not. For what I would that I do not, but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Hmm. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So he's trying, he knows what's good. He knows what he should be doing, but he doesn't know how to do it good. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep going, just a couple more. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. <laughs> now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So, you know, we always, you know, made excuses that, oh, it's just the sin that, you know, that made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it, you know. <laughs> so we we go to confession or whatever, you know. We get a clean slate and then we go back and do it again. Uh, so 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Right. I thank Yahweh through Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of Yahweh, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Right. The flesh for the law of sin. So he's just explaining how he felt prior to receiving the Holy Spirit. So let's just go to Romans um, 8 and 1 and we'll uh, explain what, how it is now with the Holy Spirit. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Yahshua the Messiah. 
There you go. This is how we are now. Now there is no condemnation to them that is in Yahshua the Messiah. And that's how we are now with that Holy Spirit in it. No condemnation, perfect peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. All praise to Yahshua. Hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Welch. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the president of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Carl Emler. Uh, good evening. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, work this these two speakers together as best I can. Um, the first thing I want to say is that in dealing with the idea of the chosen, um, I want to expand on that as far as Yahweh's purpose is concerned, because uh, there's um, an important aspect of this idea of the chosen. And I want to go back to um, Joshua, the 24th chapter, first of all, and just uh, uh, Sharon did a good job with it, but I just want to make this absolutely clear. Um, because without this being clear, we really can't go forward. And so uh Joshua 24, uh, 14, I guess it is. Now, therefore, fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now, hold on for just a second. So in the in, up before this, it just talks about, yeah, <clears throat> Yahweh talks about, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, and vineyards and olive, olive yards, which you planted not. And so when they crossed over into Canaan's land and conquered Canaan's land, they did not have to uh, establish croplands. They did not have to build houses. They did not have to do anything. Everything had already been prepared. And Yahweh had prepared it for those people. And this is how they found it. And this is what he's telling them, that uh, in a sense, he's manifesting to them the principles of the new covenant. And in the new covenant, uh, we will, from a spiritual standpoint, we will be given a land that we did not work for. And this goes along with um, grace and mercy with respect to receiving the Holy Spirit and not works of righteousness, which is under the Mosaic law. So I have given you a land which you don't labor for and cities which you have not built. So in other words, the, when we see in the reflection in uh, the book of Revelation talking about cities, etc., it's not like the first people who died, quote, and went to heaven built those cities. Uh, these things have been prepared uh, before the foundations or from the foundations of, of the world or the age, if you will, or the creation. Uh, and you dwell in them and then vineyards and olive yards, in other words, uh, when Adam was put in the garden, for instance, he didn't have to plant something and wait for it to grow, hoping he didn't starve to death before food was brought forth to him. The garden was in fruition when Adam was put in, in that garden. And on the day of Pentecost, uh, this purpose, the understanding that was given to those who received the Holy Spirit 
was uh, already prepared and complete within itself. And uh, they just had to uh, bask in the glory of Yahshua, if you would. And that's why when Peter, after he received the Holy Spirit and was confronted by the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, it was easy for him just to speak the truth as it was given to him. And he didn't have to make up anything or try to convince them in any way. And neither does anybody with the Holy Spirit need to make an excuse for anything or try to make something fit or anything like that, that the words that they have to speak are the words of Yahshua himself, who has declared the end from the beginning. And he's the only one who really knows uh, what he's talking about. So this is picking up here after they crossed over in Jordan. And remember, they were circumcised. And so that it's like uh, you read in Romans 2.28, as far as the spiritual Jews had to be circumcised. These people had to be circumcised when they crossed over into Canaan's land. And then they received this inheritance. And so then it says, now start at 14. Now this is a now therefore. So he's already described to them. He circumcised them. He sent the hornet before them, which drove out all the kings and the Amorites, uh, but not with your sword or your bow. So Yahweh drove uh, the kings of the Amorites out before them, and they didn't have to fight them in, in this instance. And in, in the beginning, uh, or the uh, that's the the Joshua twelve twenty four twelve. I sent the hornets before before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword nor with your bow. So that again shows that there's no works. They couldn't even fight for this land. You understand? It was just Yahweh drove them out uh, and gave them this land, and so now that's set up as a manifestation of the principle of the new covenant. So this is what he says. Now, therefore, because of all that, because I did all that and presented you with this, he goes, now, therefore, fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers have served on the other side of the flood. Those were the, uh, as uh, Jerry talked about, or uh, Sharon talked about the gods on the other side of the flood. Those were the gods that were before Noah. Those were the gods that were in the age before Moses. So they were false gods in the age before Moses. And then after uh, the flood uh, and Israel was brought down into Egypt, then there were the gods of the Egyptians. So showing that both the post-Diluvian age and the antediluvian age were filled with these false gods. And there was no uh, uh, set up truth or vision or law of a covenant until Moses. This old covenant given to the people uh, was the first covenant of righteousness through works that Yahweh gave. Yahweh uh, uh, established a covenant with Noah, which was that he wouldn't dry, die in the flood and he could carry the uh, lineage forward. And that's why the uh, ark across the sky, the rainbow was there to establish that covenant. But 
sin was still in the world, but it was nothing was known about it and nothing was being done about it. And it wasn't until uh, Moses here with this law uh, of, quote, sin and death was something done about the sin that had been brought down through Adam's transgression. Now there was redemption for that sin through the law of Moses uh, via the operation of the tabernacle, which is the tabernacle of salvation. Now, this is all a type. So what you're going to find out is that these people who under this law of Moses, this covenant of Moses, uh, were uh, to be physically killed if they broke this law. That's why it's a type. It's not dealing with their souls, whether their souls would be killed or not. It has to do with their bodies. And this law and the physical body went together. And so when uh, uh, the lamb was offered up and the bullock, etc., on the Day of Atonement, those three uh, sacrifices were offered up on the Day of Atonement, their sins were forgiven and it was manifested by they were not physically killed. This is not an expression of what's going on with their souls. This is a manifestation or an example for us to understand what goes on with the souls of both men and uh, angels, if you if you will. And that is that through uh, the operation of the spiritual pattern, not this tabernacle physical pattern, but the pattern that Yahweh built and not man, the spiritual uh, tabernacle and the operation of the death in that tabernacle and the burial in that tabernacle and the resurrection in that tabernacle, which we see that the Messiah was the lamb slain in that tabernacle. He was the one who uh, resurrected in that tabernacle, you understand it. And Pentecost, he was the one who made sure that uh, their souls would be saved uh, via the Holy Spirit. Now, Verse 14, now therefore fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the elves of your fathers, which you served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt on this side, both sides of Moses and uh, and serve you Yahweh. Now that, that's what it says, serve you Yahweh. Now here's the critical point. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve Yahweh, in other words, you have to come within yourself and look at Yahweh's purpose and say, you know, I don't like that. That's just not right. It's not fair. It seems wrong. It seems evil to me. If that's the case, if this purpose seems evil to you, if Yahweh seems evil to you, then choose, make your choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it's the God of your father's uh, on uh, the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And so therefore you've already decided that Yahweh is evil. So you didn't choose Yahweh. You decided Yahweh was evil. That's what he's saying. That's what Joshua is saying. They did. If you, if this seems evil to you, then take whatever's left and whatever's left, go back over to the uh, heart chart there, Dennis, number number 12 on your little side down there. Yeah, that one. Uh, and Sharon pointed out the concepts, theories, and customs down here at the bottom of this chart. And on the other side are traditions, opinions, and imaginations. 
those are the choices you have if you don't choose the revelation or or what has been revealed down through the law and the prophets about the operation of Yahweh's purpose. You have uh, uh, traditions, opinions, imaginations, concepts, theories, and customs. That's all you have. Uh, and in, in fact, the Roman Catholic Church teaches you uh, through traditions, they teach you through opinions. That is to say, they get together in vast numbers at these meetings and decide uh, whether it's a unity, a trinity, or a duality. And their opinion is it's a a, a trinity because they've never seen uh, a, a vision and a revelation of the operation of Yahweh's purpose. It's uh, they have an imagination of what it's like, and so there's a conversation with Yahshua and Peter. And we have Peter uh, was was uh, 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 quoted here. Thou art Cephas. And Cephas means a stone. You can also see that it means a rock. But when you investigate the rock, it's a hollow rock. It's not a solid rock. And so, but uh, uh, Petra, it says, because uh, the Messiah was calling him a stone. And uh the reason that's important is because we do not have a video of what occurred when Peter and the Messiah were discussing things and the Messiah talked about the rock. And all we have are the words written in the book. We don't have the video of that. And why is that important? Because we already know that Peter's name means stone or a piece of a rock or a hollow rock. And so Messiah is standing in front of Peter and says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. But you don't know who he's, the Messiah is talking about, because if you were there watching him, you'd see the Messiah point to Peter. Peter, thou art Peter, the stone, the hollow rock points right at him. And then he turns around and points to himself and says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, uh, that could be an opinion uh, with respect to that uh, narrative. But uh, if you go, and I, we don't have time to do this, but if you go into uh, Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, uh, it talks about that Yahweh Elohim is the rock of salvation. And, the, and anytime you look up rock uh, and God or rock and salvation in the scriptures, it always, A-L-W-A-Y-S, always refers to Yahweh Elohim as the rock. Yahweh is the rock. And you just take your concordance and look up rock and, and Lord and God together because otherwise you get the rock uh, Moses smote with his rod and got water out of. And But anytime it's referring to an individual, it's always referring to Yahweh Elohim. And we find out that Yahshua, the Messiah, is Yahweh Elohim manifest. It's that rock that is spoken of in this 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy that is made manifest through the loins of the Virgin Mary and speaks directly to Peter, telling Peter, just who he, not Peter, but Yahshua is. He is the rock that is witnessed 
uh, down through the law and the prophets. And that rock is spoken about down through the law and the prophets. And Yahshua said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. But the entire Christian religion has the opinion, the uh, imagination, and it's become tradition that uh, Yahshua was referring to Peter as the rock. And there is not a scrap of substantive evidence for that. Remember, in the mouth of two or three witnesses is something established. And that's only one incident incidents where you might want to choose that uh, uh, Messiah is talking about Peter. But uh, there are uh, tens of witnesses. I don't know how many. I've done this research once, and there were a lot of witnesses in the Law and the Prophets where Yahweh Elohim is the rock and the rock of salvation, not just plain the rock, but the rock of salvation. So here comes Yahshua, who is Yahweh's salvation. That's Yahweh's rock. You understand, uh, and not uh, Peter, and so the world is is inundated in these kinds of things, which skew us from understanding the operation of Yahweh's purpose. Now, what I want to get into uh, is uh, this idea of this chosen and why chosen is so important, rather than just that's the way that it is, and. Years ago, I would say, if asked, 50 years ago, or, or even longer, uh, I sat in a lecture in uh, uh, the, the, the um, what was it, the library in Salina Street, I guess it is, in Syracuse. And uh, the dean there, Burbank Mitchell, got up and he was always into science. Uh, Dennis, get me the green chart for a minute and if not we'll probably go to the witnesses chart um but let me see the green chart for a minute yes yes i don't see it there yet so it's probably down lower there you go i'm just looking to see if it's here all right. It's not here. Give me the witnesses chart, Dennis, the purple one right down there. Number 16. All right. Let's see if it's here. Oh, God, this is very small. Can you blow up? Let me see here. Uh, yeah, I want the lower the lower parts where the ears and all of these pieces are. I just want to see if he's included it in here. He has not. All right. Uh, so it's not on a chart. So what I want you to know is this, is that uh, a woman, uh, when she's born, already contains all of the uh, eggs that she has from which she can bring forth children, all of them. Uh, and so she doesn't get anything new after she's born. So her lineage possibility is uh, declared from the beginning. Um, we see that up here. Dennis has got this a little bit of it up here, but oh yeah, it's there. Uh, I'm going to try to get it. Dennis, uh, the area is right. See where the guy's head says adult. And then across from that, that there's a little that like a little flower sticking out of the uterus there where the head, where the head says adult. 
Yeah, right there. Stop right there. Now look at next to where the uter. Oh, you're gone. You you took me away. Get back. Where are you going? Here, there. Stop right there. Don't change a chart at all. The white thing uh, on the uh, uterus is the ovary. The thing that's hanging up over it is the fallopian tube. And in th this is already after fertilization had taken place and that child was in the womb. And this is something that Burbank Mitchell pointed out. And I never really appreciated the absolute significance of this as the kind of witness that it is for Yahweh's directing, being the director of his purpose. Because this fallopian tube has things uh, called, um, well, let me just describe the fallopian tube. That part that you see that looks like a flower, it's, it's like a funnel. It's a very wide part of the fallopian tube. And it's wide enough so that when the egg comes forth out of uh, the ovaries, that it doesn't go into the abdomen. And sometimes this does happen uh, when there are anatomical issues in the woman and she gets an ectopic um, right, uh, pregnancy. And it goes on in the uh, uh, um, uh, abdomen and not in the uterus. But hmm. under normal circumstances, uh, there are what are called uh, fimbrae. And the word fimbrae, and those are those little spiky things you see that makes it look like a flower. Those are fimbrae. Fingers. And the, and the word fimbrae means finger. It means finger. Now, uh, let me just see if I can uh, say this. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, and that, so this is the part of that. It's called the infundibulum, the funnel-like portion of the fallopian tube that's closest to your ovaries. Now, this picture is just wrong uh, because this fallopian tube is right under the ovary. And so the way he's got it painted is just not the way that it is if you were to do a dissection. The funnel-like portion of your fallopian tube that's closest to your ovaries, It I'm reading from... Uh, the clevelandclinic.org, by the way, uh, on my um, uh, iPad. I looked up fallopian tube, and one of the, the sources was the Cleveland Clinic, and you should be familiar with the Cleveland Clinic. That's where they do heart transplants and all the rest of it. It's a high-end uh, university, uh, hospital, et cetera. The infundibulum, the funnel-like portion of your fallopian tube that's closest to your ovaries, it includes finger-like structures called fimbrae that reach out towards the ovary. Now listen to this. Listen to this. A single fimbrae called the fimbria, ovic, ovica, overica, fimbria overica, is long enough to reach the ovary. This egg is not dropping through space to get into this fallopian tube. This is the finger of L, if you will, or the finger of this in that the finger reaches the ovary. The fimbrae catch an egg once it's released from your ovary and sweeps it gently into your fallopian tube. This is an unfertilized egg, you understand, that goes into this fallopian tube. And then uh, after intercourse, the, uh, 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 and now notice this, that um, the uterus is uh, 
prepared to receive this egg. And, uh, and so after fertilization, uh, it, the, the sperm has to go all the way through the uterus past where the egg is finally going to implant, go up past that, go up into the fallopian tube, and then uh, 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 fertilize that egg. Now, the, uh, uh, the egg sac of the woman is like the most holy place. That's where all of the eggs are, all of the potential. That's all of her DNA that could ever be a child. All of her ancestors are represented in that DNA in some place, in one of those eggs someplace, all of their ancestors are represented. And that's why you can have a child that doesn't look like uh, your the mother or father, but looks like grandma or grandpa or great great grandpa had that nose. Those things are up in there as it were the uh, uh, entirety of what Yahweh has prepared uh, to uh, show all the different manifestations of his creation, all of the possibilities. And he chooses which one you are. That's that finger. You've been chosen. Doesn't matter what, uh, uh, what mystery you might fall under. But in this case, with the physical uh, uh, fertilization, uh, uh, with the physical egg, you've been chosen uh, and hopefully you're fertilized. Now, the, some of these eggs are not fertilized. They still travel down to the fallopian tubes and embed in that uh, 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 uterus. But because they're not fertilized, they don't stimulate the proper hormonal environment in order to create a child. And what you get is uh, a menstruous cycle and it's a showing of blood. And a woman has to have a way not to stain herself or her environment. And so they would use back in the day, a rag. And this, your all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags is referring to a menstrual rag. And, and, and I, I, I don't know how else to be, I don't really need to be delicate about it because it's a scientific thing. And now we have tampons and things in order that it's just not, you know, a piece of cloth that would be discarded back in the day, et cetera. But this is a biological thing. There's no <laughs> reason to, to apologize for it. You understand? Uh, and what the idea of their righteousness was as and was as the result of an un fertilized ovum or an ovum that did not receive the Holy Spirit and therefore was dead on arrival and swept away and exits the body dead it's dead and gone and discarded and that's what's going on with these mysteries the mystery of iniquity is not been uh, fertilized and it just goes out in the draught the mystery of righteousness on the other hand is fertilized and is embedded in uh, the womb and uh, the placenta forms and feeds it from the mother for those um, 40 weeks. And then uh, the child is brought forth from blood, water, and spirit into the creation. And it's brought forth. Uh, so this is a downward trek from the, uh, 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 the ovaries to the fallopian tubes into the womb. And then it comes out of the womb and it makes an upward trek. So they clean that child up and it's brought right to the breast 
of the mother. So now it's on its way back up. And then, uh, and it's nourished uh, and kept warm in the bosom of the mother. But what needs to happen now, now uh, uh, enlarge this part of the chart, Dennis, a little bit more. I want to see the whole image next to uh, this womb uh, that says adult on the head. I want to see the whole image. I meant, I didn't mean enlarge it. I'm sorry, Dennis. Let me see more of the chart. Right, right there, right there. So uh, you have the seed, you have the embryo, you have the babe, you have the infant, you have the child, you have the uh, adolescent, and you have the adult. When this child comes out, uh, it's the babe. So it's already been the seed. It's already been the embryo, which is the fertilized seed. And uh, actually, the babe should be the fetus in here because the infant is what, what comes out. And this infant... Um, is brought to the, the um, bosom of, of the protection of the mother and the feeding, just as she's already engorged with milk, just as the garden was already uh, planted with uh, uh, food for Adam, just as Canaan's land had already had the vineyards and the olive, gar olive uh, vineyards, etc., and the food and the houses. It's already prepared to take care of the infant. But this is on the way back up. So then the infant has to become the child, the adolescent, and the adult. And the adult is the one who uh, is, I see I got like two minutes. The adult is the one who is um, accountable, you understand. And if the parent raises the child properly, that child will be a blessing to the parents. And Yahshua knows how to raise children. And um, there's this whole thing that uh, I've been looking at with respect to just how important your first three years of life are with respect to the kind of an adult that you will become. Because uh, you have instilled within you various aspects of reactions and things like that uh, as an infant that determine the kind of an adult you're going to be, what is going to happen to you uh, mentally, what's going to happen to you physiologically, uh, and all these kinds of things uh, are based on your foundation, what you've been given. And that's why there's so much trouble in this world, because so many children are raised in dysfunctional families. It's a rare thing to have children not raised in a dysfunctional family. Even the most wealthy families are dysfunctional. And we see that with very rich people uh, who uh, there was a report like Queen Elizabeth, the one who just died. Uh, she went away for five months with her husband when Prince Charles was like five years old or maybe a little between five and 10 years old. And when she came back, she didn't embrace that child. She shook his hand. And that was her greeting. That was mom's greeting. So there was no proper uh, uh, manifestation of the caring and love in that relationship. And that was a rich relationship but it was custom to have the nannies take care of the kids and the parents were just distant and they just did the conveniences of their own lives so i just wanted to show 
that that we have been chosen and we have been reared by Yahshua in order that by the time we're an adult, uh, we would be accountable. And uh, that accountability is that uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and recognizing, if you would, that uh, it is not evil to serve Yahweh, uh, even though sometimes it doesn't seem fair. So that's that's what I have for you guys. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class. We'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.